If you're a father here, would you just stand? We've got several, I know. Amen. Let's give them a hand clap. <laughs> Amen. Why don't you just stay standing for a moment? I was reflecting a little bit today about my dad, and I'm thankful for him. I give him honor today. It's kind of funny. You, uh, when you live far across the country, and those of you that have distance between you and your relatives, you can relate to this, but your schedules throughout the day don't always align so that first thing in the morning for them may not be first thing in the morning for you or vice versa. So I haven't got to speak to him yet, um, but I'm, I'm giving honor to my dad today. And uh, I was just thinking about something, uh, reflecting. I said something along these lines, I know, a few weeks ago in a message. But uh, there were three things that the Lord just kind of brought back to me that I learned from him that, uh, honestly, I don't even remember when I learned them. I just know that growing up in his house, I learned them and watching him and observing him. The first one was uh, to love God. And I, I, I watched my dad love God, and it was clear, it was evident through his words, through his actions, through his attitude. Uh, it was very clear that he loved God and put him first in everything. And I do remember many times him telling me, if you, if you put the Lord first, everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will work out the way that it should. If you put him first. If you don't, well, you, you, there's no guarantees. I can almost say that in the Danny Flowers voice. There's no guarantees. <laughs> uh, so to love God, put him first in everything. Uh, Another thing that I learned from him was to go to church. Go to church. Go to church regularly. Let there be no question about whether or not you are going to go to church. You go to church. And I was thinking about it, and uh, we kind of tease my dad sometimes for being sort of a softy, and he... He'll tear up just talking about whatever. Or you see, see a certain commercial even, and he, you know, he can get misty-eyed. And sometimes I know he's been teased for that, but I was remembering back to uh, the first time that I ever saw him cry. I was about 11, 12 years old, and um, we, our family and our church were going through some changes, uh, big, big changes that meant we were going to be going to a different church. And uh, to me, I, I, that memory in my, in my mind now is marked and linked to how, uh, how serious my dad took our church, where we went to church, that we went to church, what we did at that church, our involvement, our commitment. It wasn't a light thing to him. So I know that in that season, he was praying. He was seeking the Lord. He was... Uh, making it of utmost importance to know that, yes, we're going to go through a little bit of, of a, a change in this season of our life as a family, but we're still going to go to church. Amen? 
And then the third thing that he taught me was you're going to go to work. You will go to work. Even if it's just you, you're going to go to work because I'm not always going to support you. So you're going to be supporting yourself. But if you get married, if you have a family, you're going to go to work because you will be supporting them. Now, I know you fathers are standing, but I'm talking to everybody here with all of these comments. Amen. Amen? So I'm, 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 I'm appreciative of that. I give thanks and honor to my father. I give honor to all of you. And uh, you are great men and great fathers, but today you are good, too, because I have a Mr. Goodbar for each of you. So, you're not downgraded from great to good, but you are good as well. These are for our misters here today. <laughs> I appreciate you, gentlemen. Now, there's going to be some left over, and... Uh, we honor all of our men today, so men, don't leave here without one. Yes, sir, I appreciate you. If you got one, you can be seated. That's going to make the rest of my job easier. Don't put it in your pocket and keep standing. I appreciate you. Amen. Why don't we give our fathers a hand? We love them. Oops. Amen. Amen. Let's dismiss our children to their classes, our youth class as well. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Why don't you just stand? Why don't you just take a quick moment, greet somebody, shake their hand. We've got some visitors here. Find someone and say hello to them. Welcome them here today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. If you There's a there's a few of us today fathers that have the added benefit of being in church with our children today or some of us children who have the benefit of being in service with our fathers today, and that is a beautiful thing. 
Brother Escobar, you got a nice surprise back there. Brother Escobar's daughter is here today, and he didn't know she would be here. Amen. That's wonderful. Praise God. Amen. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to let you turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1 is where I will start. As you're turning there, I'd like us to just pray. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that we feel here today. I thank you, God, for being good to us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for all of your goodness, all of your mercy, all of your blessings to us, Father. We, we are thankful for it, Jesus. We thank you for being our heavenly Father, Lord. Not just today, but every day, God. And I honor you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to read from Numbers chapter 13. Um, when we get there, when we get there, I, uh, you'll see some of the, the elements of this here today. Um, because it's Father's Day also, I was thinking back about um, things I've heard it taught and explained from the Bible that whether, if, if you're a part of the church, whether you know it or not, you have a, a father and a mother that are representing the spiritual covering over you. The father, your father, our father, is the Lord. He's the creator. He's the author, the generator. He's the beginning. But it, it's not like he just did his job at the beginning and now he's gone. No, he fathers us. Every day he fathers us. He, 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 if we let him, he would fulfill that role of father, especially spiritually in our lives all day, every day. He, he, he wants to be. He even said it all the way back about the children of Israel. I will be a father to you, and you will be my children, and I want this to be from now on, forever. So we have the spiritual father, and then we have the spiritual mother, which really is the church collectively. The church ought to be fulfilling a role in every individual's life, of what a mother does, a mother supports, a mother nurtures, a mother uh, empathizes, shares, and, has, and helps build that relationship. So if you don't have either of those today, I feel encouraged. I'm encouraging you, connect with the church, and you will get what you need from the church. Connect with the Lord, and you will get what you need from the Lord. Amen? No, no show of hands or whatever, but we, we probably know some, some kids, maybe some teenagers, young adults that decide, I don't need anything else. I'm good. I'll, you raise me up to this point, I'll take it from here forward. What they do is they sever off that relationship. And I, my, my strong encouragement to you today is don't sever off a relationship, either from the, the spiritual father or the spiritual mother. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm not intentionally trying to link these two, but 
there's a passage here in, in Numbers 13 where really all throughout the Lord uh, choosing the children of Israel, working with them, leading them, you see him work in the role of, of, this, of the father throughout, especially when he speaks, and he speaks uh, sternly at times. I, I, I want to look at this story with the help of the Lord, and I want to first ask you the, the question, do you know why? You don't have to answer this out loud. If you think you know, then you'll find out if you know by the end. Do you know why the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? All right. Do you know why? 40 years. Why was it exactly 40? Was it exactly 40? How did they, how did they get to that number? 40 years. Remember, the Lord took them out of Egypt. He said, I'm going to take you to a land that I've promised you. By the way, the land is not a 40-year walk from here to there, distance-wise. It's much shorter than that. So if your thought was, well, that's how far away it was, no. It was, they could have been there a lot sooner. But he said, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey, this promised land that I have for you. Once they got out of Egypt, you know the story about the, the plagues to get them out and then the crossing of the Red Sea, the Lord pro providing that miracle to save them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Once they got out of there, they start to set up their new country, their new, re their, their new system, their new form of everything that they are because they weren't a people and then they were a people, a, a, a community. Uh, they needed government. They needed leaders. They needed direction. They needed communication systems. So the Lord takes a little bit of time and establishes all of that. Once they're outside of Egypt, he's going to be your leader. He's going to, I talked about this a while back. Remember, blow the trumpet this many times, and it means this. Blow the trumpet this, and it means they're, they're establishing, they're setting up that order. And also, the Lord is giving Moses instruction for how to build a tabernacle for the presence of the Lord because they know the Lord's got to be with us or none of this is going to work. So they're, they're, they're setting up how to do all of these things. They get to the place where the Lord says, okay, now I want you to stop and I want you to send in some men to survey the land that I'm going to give you. They had to be relatively close in order for that to happen, right? It's not like you guys got 40 years and come back to us. No. And I'm giving you a little spoiler alert because I, I think probably this is just from learning this as a child and trying to reconcile how this all happened. In my head, I thought, well, they went through the wilderness 40 years. They were there a long time. When they finally got close to the land, then they sent some spies to the land. That's really not how it happened. That's your spoiler. So Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord spake to Moses and said, Send thou men that may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Then it lists through these next verses the twelve that went. Verse 18, if you'll jump down there. 
further instruction from the Lord. It says, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. You think the Lord doesn't know who's there? You think the Lord doesn't know what the land is like? No, but his instruction to Moses is, you send these men and tell them to see what they see. All right? I want my men, I want these 12 spies to go in there and survey and then come back. And these, this is the report we want to know. What's the land like? How many people are they? Are they strong people? Are they weak people? Verse 19, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. What cities they have that they dwell in. If they live in tents or they live in strongholds. It, 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 we don't know what it's going to be like, so get up there and find out. Verse 20, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of courage, bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they're going in there right about harvest time, grape harvest at least. And he says, go survey it, bring us back some fruit as proof. And then we're going to see what kind of report we get. Verse 27, if you will. They came back to the land. Verse 27, they told him, they told Moses and said, We came to the land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. I didn't know it until I saw it. But there really is a land, and it's flowing with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They cut down some grapes from it, showed it to them. Verse 28, nevertheless, or but, the people are strong that dwell. Remember, you, Moses, you told us that was one of the things to find out if they're strong or weak. Well, they're strong. So do with that what you will, but they're not weak. They're strong. And the cities, they don't dwell in tents. They don't got these little huts. No, the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. We'll get to that one in a minute. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coasts of Jordan. Not only do you have the children of Anak, but you've got this tribe that lives over here, this one that lives over it, it, It's basically like already established territory. And this group knows that's where they live, and this group knows where that, that's where they live. And, and they've got their confines already. They've got their boundaries drawn up. And this one's over here. So I guess my report back to you is they are all set the way they are. There's no room for us. It's not like they had this little, you know, in Israel or in Egypt, we had this place called Goshen that was our own special land. Trace that way back to Joseph and his descendants. And, and so there's no Goshen there. We didn't see a spot where this one was preserved for us by the Lord. No, it's all taken. It's all spoken for. Verse 30 and Caleb, one of the spies, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, 
for we are able to overcome it. Whew. That's a little bold, don't you think? Especially after that land. Of, well, we got this one over here and this one over here, this one over here. He says, nope, I'm ready to go. Let's go do it because the Lord is with us. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they searched to the children of Israel. Saying, now notice they went from talking to Moses about it to talking to the rest of the people about it. I don't really know if they were acting uh, the way they should or not when they decided to, well, we've already told Moses, but I know all these other people are going to be curious, so let's go tell them what we found. But one way or another, their feelings, their thoughts are getting communicated not just to Moses, the leader, but to everyone. They brought up an evil report of the land unto the children of Israel. They said, the land through which we've gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It's going to consume you. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak. Giants. What do you think they're trying to instill in the people? The same fear that they already have. Right? It's a very convincing, compelling argument. You weren't there, but I was there. Let me tell you what I saw. I mean, this guy, his head was probably even to that speaker right there. And there, he wasn't just one of them. This isn't a David and Goliath story. That's the whole town people like that. It's a nation of people, giants, strong. So uh, it sounded great, you know, when we were coming out of Egypt or even when we were in Egypt. It sounded like a great promise, but now that I've seen it, I'm not sure if it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. We're just these tiny little bugs that they could... Psh, that's why he says the land devours the people that inhabit it. Go over to chapter 14, verse 1. You think these people were thrilled to hear that? No. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. This is how the influence of that report got through the children of Israel and how they responded they cried and wept. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, the whole congregation, and said to them, Would God that we would have died in the, in the land of Egypt or we would die in this wilderness. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, all right? I want you to stay with me. There's elements of this story that I didn't even know, to be honest, until I reread them. I want you to get them. We wish we would have just died in Egypt or just here in the wilderness. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey, were it not better for us to return to Egypt. All right. I'm going to try to do this quickly. Who's speaking here? It's the men. 
right? There's a little key phrase in there that says, because our wives and our children are going to become prey. So the, the, the figureheads of discussion in the children of Israel are the men, right? Even when it says something like all of Israel, well, that's speaking of the men and then their families that they represent, okay? So the men get together and they say, you brought me out here, Lord, to take me up against a nation of giants that are just going to wipe me and my family off the earth. What kind of plan is that? Why would you do that to me and my family? That our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Second-guessing the Lord is never a smart decision. Now, I mean, you can be honest in your conversation with the Lord. I believe He honors that, that forthrightness between you and Him when there's a close relationship that says, uh, don't you remember that I used to have a job in Egypt? Don't you remember that my family used to have a place to stay? And we had food and we were taken care of? Don't you So that's... But if you go up to everybody else and say, the Lord must not know what he's doing because I had a job and my family had a place to stay and we had food to eat. Now that's a different attitude. That's a different conversation and a different result than a one-on-one -on -one honest conversation with the Lord. All right? Verse 4. They said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Let's appoint a new leader. Moses, you had your try. It didn't go well. Let's, let's appoint a new leader. He'll take us back to Egypt. Verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation, the children of Israel. Verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land that we went through is an exceeding good land. I was there too. I saw it. And I'm telling you, it's a great land. Verse 15. Sorry, verse 8. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. That, that phrase right there, if the Lord delights in us, is the key. I honestly don't believe that the rest of the children, the rest of the children of Israel believed that the Lord delighted in them. Caleb and, and, and Joshua didn't have to convince them that it was a good land. They saw the grapes themselves. It was all brought back. The evidence was there. It's good land. What they had to try to convince them was, the Lord will give it to you. He really will take care of you. He really will make a way for you to have what he wants you to have. 
I just, I don't know about that. I'm not convinced. You follow me? If the Lord wants us to have it, we'll have it. I'm pretty sure the Lord wants us to have it because do I need to tell you about all the plagues again that he miraculously caused to happen and then stop happening to get us to this point? Was that not enough proof for you? I'm pretty sure he wants me to have it. He didn't, oh, he didn't kill my son. He spared my eldest when all the others were dying. That's some pretty good proof that he's got something for me. He didn't turn my water into blood when he did that for everyone else. That's some pretty good proof to me that the Lord has something for me. And he delights himself in me. Confidence. Everybody say confidence. That's the one thing that these two men had that the rest did not. Nothing, everything else in the picture is the same. They all lived in the same place. They all walked through the same Red Sea. They all went and spied the same territory. Two came back with confidence. The Lord wants us to have this. And the other ten came back saying, I don't think, I just don't see how it's going to happen. If the Lord wants me to have it, I'm going to have it. Verse 9. Only, I'll give you some instruction. This is what Joshua and Caleb said. If you don't have confidence enough yet to believe it, well then let me just give you some instruction if you just follow these things, I'm pretty sure the Lord's still going to lead us because he's brought us this far. I think he wants us to have it. So just do this. Only rebel ye not against the Lord. Don't rebel against. If he tells you to do this, do it. I know that sounds really simple to say on a Sunday afternoon when you're holding the microphone. But it's the same attitude that should be there every day of the week, all day. If he tells you to do it, do it. Don't question it. Don't rebel against it. Ah, okay. Another, there's a hidden meaning in there, rebel. And it's not just confidence in new information. It means you already know what the instruction is. You've, the, the expectation has already been set. You don't get to play ignorant here. Don't rebel against what you know. That part was free. Our teenagers are mostly gone, so that had to be for us. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. For they are bread for us. Woo! That's some pretty good bread. They got a lot to live off of. I mean, my, me and my family, we can live a long time off of what somebody three times our size usually eats. Don't fear them. The Lord put them there for us. To provide for us. 
Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. Their defense is departed from them. Ooh, that's a key one. It wasn't a part of the instruction to go survey their armies and their defense systems and their, you know, how many horses, how many chariots, how many cannons, how many arrows, bows, whatever, you know. No, they're not even, these men have been through enough to know. Ah, uh, I watched all of Pharaoh's army drown in the Red Sea. And I'm telling you what, Egypt had far more abundance of army, of defense, than what any one of these nations has. So if they, if the Lord is not for them, their defense is departed from them. Even if they all take up swords, shields, arrows, and bows, and point them right at you, their defense is parted from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Here's what that, I'm telling you, that was the word of the Lord delivered to the people. That was the word of the Lord delivered to the congregation of Israel. The truth spoken with instruction given. Next verse. So they had an altar call and everybody cried and rep, quiet, cried and rep. Wow, I can't say that. They had an altar call. Everyone cried, wept, and repented, and then took the land. Is that how it happened? No. But all the congregation bade, stoned them with stones. They decided these two guys are crazy talkers. They don't know what's right, what's true. We need to get rid of them now. Stone them. Literally, that was their response to the Word of God. Your response to the Word of God matters. Not just a little bit. When God speaks direction to you and instruction to you and you don't hear it, don't receive it, don't obey it, you're on this side of the story. And I'm, I'm, that finger's pointed at me. I'm not just trying to guilt trip anybody how we respond to what the Lord says is of utmost importance I'm skipping ahead in this story for the sake of time jump down to verse 22 we're, 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 we're jumping from here to, to verse 22 and we're skipping over some of the one on one conversation that the Lord has with Moses about this but we're going to still find out what he has to say don't worry Moses, uh, God appears to Moses and starts talking to him about this is not looking good. This is the Lord speaking here, he says. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. That, that's the reason why I'm going to do what I'm going to do because the men that I pulled out of Egypt are continuing, he says, to tempt me. That means that's not a good, you, 
sure, you passed that test, but it wasn't good enough proof for me. I need another one. Okay, here. Sure, you passed that test, but it wasn't good enough proof to me. I need another one. Okay, I'll do this. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. You think the Lord just wants to go on with that forever and ever? Is that a, a relationship with the Lord? Constantly prove yourself? Constantly do miracles? I'm not going to be satisfied until you've proven beyond all of my doubts and then some, you're really who you say you are. Mm -mm. The Lord says, I've had enough of this. I've spoken to them before. I've shared with them before. They know my voice. They know my word. They know my direction. They know all of it. They just are not listening. Because they've done all that. Verse 23. Surely they shall not see the land. Now, okay, let me just pause. One of the things that the Lord said in there to Moses, when he sees how this is all going, he says, if Moses, do you want to start over, me and you? Because I got the land. I just need the inhabitants. These are not the inhabitants, clearly. Do you want to start over, Moses? We'll make a new people. You'll be their father. You'll lead them into this land. And the, the, Moses said, no, 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 no. I'm holding you to your original plan. You know, if you kill all these people just before you take them into the land, then all the Egyptians and everybody else that knows about what, all this story, they're going to say, God couldn't get the people into the land, so he had to kill them. Huh, that's a nice little sidebar. But so the Lord says, okay, these guys, this generation will not see the land, which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land. His seed shall possess it. Verse 30, jumping down again. Um, I, remember that question I asked you at the beginning? Do you know why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? We're getting the answer. This is the un unfolding of the answer. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to you, save Caleb and Joshua. Verse 31, But your little ones, which you said should be a prey... Them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. The oh, this is powerful. Uh, this is the Lord, not me. The only thing that's going to save your children is the fact that they are too innocent to despise the thing that I have for them, and you despised it. I, I, I want inhabitants in this land. I have gone a great length to get my people into this land. And you have gone to great lengths to show me you don't trust me. 
to bring you into this land. So I'm going to work with the next generation who still trusts me or at least have, has not gone through all the stuff you went through to get you to the point where instead of trusting me, you've despised it. But as for you, verse 32, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. Verse 34, after the number of days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, that you shall know my breach of promise. That's the, that's the judgment and the sentence right there. You're going to die in the wilderness. You don't even get to go there. But furthermore, you don't even get to die right now. You got to wonder for 40 years in the wilderness. And I know it sounds kind of harsh. To each his own with that one, because this is the word of the Lord. Verse 36 It's clear the judgment and the sentence have been passed. Now, look what they say. I just, uh, I'm trying to come to a close. I'm aware of the time. I want you to see what they say when the Lord says, mm -mm, time's up. You missed, you had your opportunity and you missed it. Now watch what they say. The men which Moses sent to search the land who returned made all the congregation murmur against them by bringing slander upon the land. Even those men that did bring up the evil report died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua and Caleb, which were of the men, lived still. And Moses told these sayings to all the children of Israel. The people mourned greatly. That's nothing new. Verse 40. This is new. I mean, newish. They rose up early in the morning. Ooh, serious all of a sudden, are you? You didn't sleep in today. You rose up early to try to do what you're going to try to do. They rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain where everybody else was sent to go spy. We're all going to go. We'll do it. They said, lo, we be here. We're here. We're all here. We're ready to go. We're ready to get into the land, right? We're, we're ready to follow the voice of Caleb and Joshua when they said, let's go. Let's do it. Really? I can imagine Joshua and Caleb just watching them hike up that mountain. Now they want to go? Because the Lord said, you're going to die here. Now you want to go? Lo, we be here, and we'll go up into the place which the Lord hath promised. For we have sinned. Verse 41. I've only got about four more verses, and then I'm done. Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. Have you ever heard that? Don't do it, because the Lord's not going to honor it. Don't go, he's not going with you. 
You do not have permission from the Lord to do this. Oh, he's trying to make it as clear as he can. The Lord is not, and you will be, that you will not. So don't go so you don't get smitten by your enemies. If you go and the Lord's not with you, that's what's going to happen. Oh, we've gone beyond the place of rebellion to pure stubbornness now. I'm, uh, my, I, I feel like I'm doing all right. I'm not, my blood pressure is not bad or anything. But I'm getting angry about the mindset behind the person that says, I just need another try. I just need another try. I need another thing from the Lord. I need another thing from the Lord. And then the Lord says, I've done enough for you. I'm not doing anything more. And then they say, oh, okay, awesome. Everything you did was good enough for me. No, it wasn't. Clearly. Don't go that you be not smitten. Verse 43. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall, be, you shall fall by the sword because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the hilltop, Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwelt in the hill and smote them, discomfited them. They're, they died. What, what Moses and the Lord said was going to happen, happened. There was no question about it. What they said was going to happen, happened. And they, they didn't follow the instruction until it was too late. This is my last verse. Hebrews 4, verse 2. Because this is not just an Old Testament story that has nothing to do with us. This is a depiction of the word of God coming to you and me and how we respond to it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. They heard the exact same word, but it didn't, it didn't work for them. It didn't help them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I'm leaving off this Israelite Canaan thing, and now I'm talking about you and me and the Word of God, the gospel preached to us. Every single one of us in here, we've heard the gospel preached to us. We may not know a lot about the Bible, but we know enough to know what's right according to what God says. And what is not right, according to what God says in his word? How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond with, yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. I just need you to do this to prove it. Oh, you did that? Okay, thank you for doing that. Now, can you do this to prove it? Oh, that's good. Wow, you're, you're pretty good at this. How about, can you change this situation if this is really you? Oh, you changed that. 
Huh, how about give me one more day to live if you're really God? We're here today. And the Lord says, I'm God, I can do anything I want to, and I can prove as many times as I want to to you that I am God. But I have set precedent upon precedent in my word and throughout time that I change not. You can stand with me. The opportunity that we have here today is to mix the word of God with faith. Faith means I, I, I can't explain it all. I probably can't even comprehend it all, especially not to such a great degree that I can explain it to somebody else. But I have heard it, and I believe it. That's faith. I've heard it, and I believe it. What I'd like us to do is just take some time and express some faith to the Lord if we can do that. I've heard your word, God, and I believe it. I know if it, even if it's about a specific situation, maybe you've been praying, I, I need the word of God for this situation. I hear your word and I believe it. Or I'm going to keep praying until I hear your word, but you know what? When I hear it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to follow it. Amen. Every eye closed. Jesus, Lord, I believe in the truth of your word. God, I believe in everything that this book tells me. God, all these things that show us who you are, all these things that show us what you've done, what you will do, what you're willing to do, God, I believe all of it. I trust that it is from you. It is the holy word of God. It is the inspired word of God, Jesus. And I believe that it applies to my life individually, Lord, because only you know all of the details of every circumstance that I'm facing right now, Lord. Only, nobody else could even try to understand it all, Lord. But you know it all, every detail, everything about it, Lord Jesus. Lord, that's why I put my faith in you. God, that's why I put my trust in you today because I know, Lord Jesus, that you will make a way. Because I know that you will make, make a way when there seems to be no way. In the name of Jesus, I'm opening these altars right now. I'm asking you to find a place and pray. Let the Lord minister to you and your need, to you and your situation. Whatever you want to bring before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm looking for an answer in this situation. God, I'm looking for a way in this situation, God. I've tried to make it happen on my own and I cannot. So I'm done, Lord, trying to look for proof or evidence. Lord, I'm done trying to look for arguments. Jesus, and I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my faith in you today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, come on, let's pray together.
Running out.
with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you understand that if he says it, it's, it's true and it's going to happen. But that is contingent on our submission to it. As this is why the, the warning of children of Israel was, don't rebel. Don't rebel against what, what he said. Because if you do, this, is, this will happen. I'm afraid sometimes that we that we believe his word and we believe that well he said it so it's going to happen no matter what so I can do whatever I want and and it's still going to happen because God said it the book of Romans chapter 1 talks about those that were living in unrighteousness they had all the signs of, of God there that in, in nature and all the things that expressed who God was and the fact that he was true and his existence. Was, it was all there right in front of them. But it says that their unrighteousness held or, or suppressed the truth. And so then there came a point where in their unrighteousness, God gave them over to their desires. He gave them over to the things that they preferred to do, which was worshiping the creation above the creator. And how much do we see that in the world today, that Christians and people that say, I'm going to live however I want and still expect the blessing of God. not how it works. <laughs> it's not how it works. And one more time, can we, can we just thank the Lord this morning for his conviction, for his word? God, we thank you, Jesus. We submit to you this morning, God. We want to be under your hand. We want to be under your authority, Jesus, and do what you speak to us to do. We want to live in submission, Father. Live in obedience unto you that your word, that your blessings could be over my life because I'm under them, under their authority, under their covering. 
Lord Jesus, I don't want to live in unrighteousness any longer. But I pray that by your spirit, by your word, that you would pull us out of unrighteousness, pull us out of darkness, Jesus. Pray that we'd submit to and come under your light, come under the gospel and the righteousness of you that is revealed through your gospel. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We'll have a blessed, blessed Father's Day, blessed rest of the weekend. To all the fathers, thank you for being dads. <laughs> we love you all. We pray you have a, have a great rest of your, your day. Amen. God bless. Ladies, if you wanted to be a part of Sister Roa's book study, I think she might have a few books left or we can, the church can order some more. I highly recommend this book. Shoot, we were talking about starting it over so you wouldn't be missing anything. We loved this book. Easy read, really good information. So.